Today, if, um, if you would allow me, I would like to speak more generally about the various themes during this, um, during this particular season um, and mention uh, somewhat about the, uh, the gospel lesson today. I can remember back in the late 70s and early 80s when we were uh, poring over a lot of uh, liturgical books and liturgical practices in uh, pursuit of adopting not only the Orthodox faith theologically, but uh, adopting as many of its liturgical practices as, uh, as we could. And one of the issues uh, there was the lectionary. And here was the the lectionary of the Orthodox Church, which was a one-year lectionary. And here was the lectionary of the Roman Church, which had been adopted by many mainline Protestant churches, which was a three-year lectionary. And of course, as an American, we might say, more is better. And so, why not go with the three-year lectionary instead of just the one-year lectionary and hear the same thing over and over again every year? You get a little more variety and diversity. Um, Of course, I think if we're only reading or hearing the scriptures on Sunday when we go to church, maybe it would be a better idea to go to the three-year. But if we're reading our scriptures every day... And we'll read through the whole New Testament every year. And we won't miss anything. One of the issues I I remember in particular was the gospel lesson assigned to Easter Sunday morning. Assigned to Great and Holy Pascha. John 1, 1-17. The prologue of John. Well, this isn't about the resurrection. Why are we reading this? Why are we reading this on Easter? Why don't we? I mean, this, this is this is crazy. This is nuts. Why don't we read? The, you know that he that, that they went to the tomb and saw that he rose from the dead. See, at that time we weren't doing all of the whole. We weren't. We weren't. Didn't have a service on Saturday morning. And we weren't marching around the church. We were just coming to church on Sunday morning. And as we, as we began to adopt more and more of these Holy Week services, then, you know, on the Great and Holy Saturday, and we're starting to baptize, and we're hearing the whole resurrection account. Matthew 28, the whole chapter. And, uh, like, oh... And then we decided, let's try this, let's start early in the morning and let's, let's walk ar- around the church and sing, Thy resurrection, O Christ our Savior. And we get to the front door and we hear the, the resurrection from the Gospel of Mark. And we went, oh! And then we came in to, to, to the, the, the church completely lit. 
and we heard the gospel lesson from John. We just decided, well, we're just going to be obedient. We're just going to read what they say to read. And the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. And I, th- I thought to myself, there's nothing else we could read. What else could we read? Nothing else could we read. The, the, last, ver- the last phrase of the gospel uh, of Great and Holy Saturday... Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. The end of the world. And the first words of the gospel of great Pascha, in the beginning. The end of the world, in the beginning. Pascha is the end and Pascha is the beginning. And everything rotates around it and hovers around it. And so we read this Gospel of John. We didn't read it this morning. We read from the Gospel of Mark. And I'll I'll come back to that in a minute. But in the Gospel of John, during this time, if we kind of put on our Pascha hat, (laughs) put on our Easter hat, and think baptism then we start seeing and hearing all of these stories in the Gospel of John that relate to water. The first Gospel, in the first chapter of of John, after the prologue, then John the Baptist comes baptizing in water and baptizes Jesus in water. Baptism. John chapter 2, Jesus changes water into wine that we might have eternal life. In chapter 3, unless a man in this conversation with Nicodemus, unless a man is born of water and of the Spirit, he will not enter into the kingdom of God. In chapter 4, he he meets the woman of of, uh, Samaria, the woman at the well, and says, I will give you living water. And in in chapter 5, I don't know if I'm getting all these chapters in right, but just hang with me. I know I'm close. (laughs) All right. Um, uh, The paralytic. He's sitting by the pool of Bethesda. What's the most famous hospital's? One of the most famous healing hospitals in the United States of America, Bethesda, (laughs) right? (laughs) All right, so Bethesda, the the paralytic sitting by the pool of Bethesda, and he can't get into the water because he's paralyzed, and whoever goes first into the water is going to be healed. Then he goes up in the middle of the feast. We read this on Pentecost. You know, whoever thirsts, I will give him living water to drink. Um, and then uh, in, in chapter 9, he heals the paralytic and uh, telling him to go and to wash in the pool of Siloam. Okay, so water, 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 water. St. John, it's the, it's the baptism book. <laughs> We're reading it during this time. It seems uh, 
you know, fairly obvious um, that we might see in these, in these gospel lessons of the paralytic, which is coming up next Sunday, and the Samaritan woman and, and the blind man, because of these themes of water, that these are lessons or paradigms for us on uh, baptism. And uh, I've thought over the course of the years that maybe the first three Sundays, Pascha itself, Thomas Sunday, uh, the myrrh-bearing women, uh, maybe we're dealing more with uh, Pascha itself and our belief in the resurrection and our, and our proclamation of the resurrection uh, from kind of three different angles. One from from the angle of uh, the almost you know ecstatic and, <laughs> and joyous Christ is risen uh, of Pascha itself that joyous proclamation, and then looking at it from a more uh, rational, from a more cerebral, from a more doubtful kind of, of angle on, on Thomas Sunday, unless I you know, see the nail prints and put my hand in his side, I, I won't believe. And then on this Sunday, from proclaiming the proclamation from that total total uh, devotion to Jesus Christ and, and discovering because of that total devotion to Jesus Christ, discovering that he is in fact risen from the dead. But there is one sentence out of St. Nikolai <laughs> that just kind of triggered something in me that maybe, maybe all of them are about baptism. Maybe all of them. Not, not just the ones on water. He says, The myrrh-bearing women's visit to Christ's tomb on the resurrection morning ended their poor ointments, with which they meant to preserve from corruption him who himself keeps the heavens from decay and with which they desired to anoint him from the heavens, they take their fragrance, O most fragrant Lord, the only fragrance of the human being in human history. Now wondrously didst thou reward these devoted faithful souls who did not forget thee dead in thy tomb. Thou didst make the myrrh-bearing women bearers of the tidings of the resurrection in thy glory. They did not anoint thy dead body but thou didst anoint their living souls with the oil of gladness. They did not anoint thy dead body, but thou didst anoint their living souls with the oil of gladness. What's the oil of gladness? Have you ever heard that phrase before? This is the name of the oil that we anoint the person who's going to be baptized just before we put them in the water. Just before we baptize them in the water. Father Alexander Schmemann, of blessed memory, points out to us in the first few sentences of his book of Water and the Spirit, that the candle which we hold when we come to that great and holy Pascha in the dark, that candle which we hold 
and that candle which is lit and the candle which we carry around the church singing thy resurrection O Christ the angels in heaven sing is our baptismal candle our baptismal candle and when we're going to conduct a baptism what's the first thing we do we hand the person a candle we hand them a candle how many people do you think come to Posca just because they want to get their candle and they want to light their candle I'm one of them I'm one of them the next thing we hear on Thomas Sunday that when the Lord appeared in the upper room and Thomas wasn't there initially (laughs) it says he breathed on them and said to them receive the Holy Spirit And in our service of baptism, the next thing we do after we hand them a candle is we go through the exorcisms and the priest breathes on them. The breath of life, the breath of God that expels all evil and foul spirits from the life of the one who is about to be baptized. Voodoo? Superstition? Who started this anyway? Jesus did. I sometimes get, get, you know, get asked the question, who, who got into changing everybody's name? You know, you go to, you go to church, you join a church, and then, you, then, then they change your name. Who started this anyway? God. God did. He changed Abram's name to Abraham, didn't he? Changed Simon's name to Peter. Changed Saul's name to Paul. And so when we when we go into to uh, uh, blessing the water. We say this, uh, this prayer and just hang on, just hang on for a minute for, to all of these different phrases. Make this water, grant unto it the grace of redemption, the blessing of Jordan, make it a fountain of incorruption, the gift of sanctification, remission of sins, remedy of infirmities, the final destruction of demons unassailable by hostile powers, filled with angelic might. Show this water to be the water of redemption, the water of sanctification, the purification of flesh and spirit, the loosing of bonds, the remission of sins, the illumination of the soul, the labor of regeneration. And we believe believe that, that this water is a water of healing, just like the paralytic was healed by the pool filled with angelic might 
filled with angelic might. And we believe that, that, that the water of baptism is, uh, is unto, unto incorruption, unto life everlasting. I will give you li- living water, he said to the Samaritan woman, springing up from your innermost being unto, unto everlasting life. And we believe that this water is the water of the pool of Siloam. Is the, wa- the water that illuminates. The other, word, the other name, the historic name, the old name for baptism is holy illumination. Holy illumination. And after we pray this prayer, we come to the baptism itself, And after the prayer of the oil is made, the the one to be baptized is anointed with oil. The oil of gladness. The oil which is a preparation for burial. The oil which is a preparation for us to be dead, buried, baptized and raised up to newness of life with Jesus Christ. Pascha is about baptism. Thomas Sunday is about baptism. Myrrh-bearing women is about baptism. Paralytic is about baptism. Samaritan woman is about baptism. And the, the, the blind man is about baptism. And so let us give thanks today that the church in her wisdom has delivered us not only the scriptures, but has delivered to us, them to us liturgically with an inner coherence that builds our faith and gives us confidence that we have been truly united to Christ, for as many as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Alleluia. Christ is risen.